I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and this man here is Marek Larwood. I'm a man. You are. No more today than ever before. That didn't make sense. Welcome to the film podcast. It's in the middle of summer. It's boy. It is a heat wave in London. It's over a thousand degrees. People's faces are melting in the street. It's very and, end of Raiders at and, the moment. And there's a lot of drunk. I don't know. It's coming into your flat. I'm sorry to paint this picture. There was a, dr- a drunk bloke. Was there drinking meths or something? Out of drinking meths. You know what? People wear what their shirts winner. up so they. He rolled his vest up so his stomach was out. Why? Does that cool you down? Maybe he was in a film or something. Maybe he was in a film. There used to be um, uh, junkies asleep with their needles under my stairs when I first moved in here. Oh, really? It sounds like the place I moved, first place I lived in Westbourne Park, where there was a crack addict who lived upstairs, and then a preacher used to read the Bible and substitute uh, sort of religious words with swear words. And the crack addict jumped out the window one time after a police raid, and two weeks after I moved out, got um, murdered, shot in the head. Welcome to London. Welcome to London. And now, of course, that whole area is really gentrified. Yeah. And you have to be own half a million pounds to buy. Um, well, they're buy very somewhere. cleverly moving all of the crazy and uh, and underprivileged people out of town where we can't see them. Well, that's what I'll have to move. Anyway, we're not talking about the housing problems in no. London, which I could talk about extensively. We're talking about films. We're probably the only people who actually went to cinema because no one's going anymore. It's not great at the moment. I think they're hoping Guardians of the Galaxy will draw them back in because it's a Marvel film, but it's not a superhero film. It's sort of space opera. Uh, That's going to be coming out in August. I'm not going to watch that. No. Um, We both went to see the same film this week. Mm. Rare occurrence. Um, What did you go to see? I went to see Boyhood, Richard Linklater's film. I know what it's about, but... um... Why don't you describe what it's about for people listening, for the four people actually still listening in this summer <laughs> blooming heat wave? I know. Um, you don't want you sweat up your ears with earbuds, do you? Well, basically, Boyhood is the story of a boy growing up um, from the age of six to 18 in America. But what is unique about this It sounds rubbish. Film, it sounds rubbish. It does, doesn't it? But what, wonder years. What is unique about this film is... Uh, the director spent 12 years making it. So they use the same actors from the age, and specifically the boy, from the age of 6 to 18. And that 
that is a unique thing. I I've not seen that before, where you you genuinely feel like you've gone on that journey with him because it is li- you've literally seen him grow from a boy into a man in front of your eyes. It's such a risk, though, isn't it? Because yeah. you don't know. Uh, what if he dies? Well, interestingly, well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Then you're screwed, aren't you? But um, interestingly, the boy. What's the character's name? The main character. The main character's name. Is Mason. Mason, that's right. I knew it was slightly weird and American. Um, his sister, the girl who plays his sister, Sam, is the director's daughter. Yes. And she actually, about halfway through the process, got bored of it and didn't want to be involved anymore. Oh, really? And asked, asked her dad to kill her off. And he said, he just said, it's that would be totally wrong for the tone of this. So and she so had she a teenage sort, tantrum and she, she came back into it. Yeah, basically. And then she got back into it towards the end. Um, she realised as she So she older. becomes less significant in the middle and then comes back in. But um, the parents, listeners, are played by uh, uh, Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. I get confused between Ethan Hawke and Ethan Hunt, who is uh, Tom Cruise's character in the Mission Impossible films. I don't. Um, and who I thought was Robin Wright Penn all the way through, but it's Patricia Arquette. Yes. Who And they're both brilliant in this, I think. Uh, it's... It's fascinating. It's, you know when you're on, you just watch people, you can watch people age. I remember watching Barry Norman, who was, um, who, did, who presented the film programme before they got non-film experts in, uh, in the UK. And they went, he did it for about 25 years. Yeah. And they showed him age each year. They just showed a, a picture of him, a clip, as he on his final oh, show. Did they gif it? No, but you saw him. It was almost like he was just didn't His really age, did, didn't really age, didn't really age. Then, like in the seventies, he would have one really bad year, <laughs> <laughs> and you think, oh, what happened then? Because he's aged about five years, and he not aged for a bit, and then suddenly aged. It's fascinating watching the, the, the characters that age, and they seem round and kept. I've got to say that they stole it for me. The parents I haven't been a big fan. For new listeners, the drinking and chomping in the background is Buddy. Uh, <laughs> that's him there. Oh, yeah. That's a perfect cue. That's a perfect cue. Well um, Good illustration. David's dog, who's now come in to make some yeah noise. Um, I thought they were really great. The parents, really he, good. As I was saying, Ethan Hawke is quite. He's annoyed me when he played over sincere like before beneath before sunrise. Well, I can't remember which one it was. Mm. When he first came out, he was really overly sincere. I wanted to punch him in the face, but now as he's got older. I really liked him. He's almost entering into a second renaissance Paul Rudd style, where he could play that slightly douchey, charming man who knows exactly what a loser he is, and that makes him all the more charming, you know? I thought the parents sort of carried this. I mean, because the performance of uh, Mason is is perfect, but he is a typical sort of teenage boy who's a sort of passive observer of everything that's going on around him and that's part of the point of the story isn't it well I think that's a, uh, but it just means he's hard to know as a person what's fascinating about it is about a lot you get this passage of time which is always impossible to do in films accurately and this you actually see the, the whole you see that buddy's just sniffing my groin so it's a little bit distracted uh, <laughs> it is a, a genuine passage of time mm. and they do rather than having all the big moments they have these sort of small little moments which is seem to tell the story of growing up better than the huge yeah. overly dramatised and it never gets melodramatic that's what I loved about it as well but the tension that some life changing event might happen is there throughout the entire film there's a particular a scene for the first the first time you see Mason sort of getting drunk with his mates and bigger boys and you know things that any boy will, will have probably experienced in their life but you are genuinely going 
Oh no! What are they going to do? I what, thought they. When, when they're, they're, they're throwing throwing up, beautifully, I thought, there's a blade in the wall, and then he's going to punch him into exact, it. Everyone thought, in the cinema thought the exact same oh, thing. Oh really? And I think it was totally intentional that they set that up. I actually said, "Oh no!" out loud to myself in the empty cinema. <laughs> they're making you feel like the parents would if they knew it had happened. You know yeah. and that. I thought it was an incredibly sophisticated bit of filmmaking he's done. It was a really different to everything else because it wasn't it wasn't going for the big punching action and yet it was far more fascinating and it felt like real and that's more human. Do you know how what his process was, his method? Because he wrote um, Richard Linklater because he, he wrote it as well. Did he write it, it all, uh, as he was going along or what? He did. He basically wrote one short film about the, this family every 12 years. You and know, it was, uh, you know, so they and then just put them together. Did he overshoot? I, I wondered whether he just shot quite a few scenes and went, actually, that one's more appropriate. Or how... Because it must be a temptation to just shoot the shit out of it. And there go, must be, yeah. Because you c- can never go back. No. No. But... It might have to be awful. If you do 10 years of it, you think, do you know what? This is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest problem... It, with it, which is my, um, as some um, listeners will know, I'm a grumpy and I hate human beings. Um, that teenagers are fundamentally boring. Mm. So the main character makes them becomes less and less interesting and more navel gazing and annoying. Yes. And just has teenage conversations, which I don't know if you ever heard any. At the moment, it's just I was like, so and so was like doing this, and I was like doing this and then I said to them this that is essentially how interesting the conversation is so as he gets older he becomes a bit more boring and I would rather find out what's happening to the parents because the, the Patricia Arquette sort of midlife crisis comes about yeah. and uh, she was spectacular I haven't seen her in anything for a long old time well she's been, maybe she's, she's been just doing been this. doing this exclusively for 12 years but I doubt it um, no but she was excellent really really good yeah, I think it was great. And also his daughter, I think, was very good. Yeah. Laurie Lee Linklater. God, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? Laurie Lee Linklater, yeah. That is Buddy having another toy in the background. I mean, it's got amazing reviews. Is it just because of the um, the gimmick of it that it's got good reviews, do you think? Because on IMDb, it's got a 9 rating. The meta score is really, really high as well, 99 I don't, you, know, I don't know if it's fair to call it a gimmick. I know what you mean, but it it is a marketing sales point that clearly everyone's talked about, but it is also um, a brilliant artistic tool to tell the story as well. Like it, It's always a bit arresting when you watch a kid performance and it turns out to be great in a film and you're really enjoying it, and then they go ten years later and they change actor. And it, you never carry on in your head the the story of that first kid to this person. Yeah. You just start again. You go, oh, it's a different actor now, and you just wipe the slate clean. But with this, you can't. That you don't. I I, th- I think it is worth the praise. Like it's a very brave thing to have attempted, and I think he's succeeded really well. And if you look at uh, Richard Linklater's CV, he's done some really different films as well, like things you really wouldn't expect like School of Rock is him that's a great film it is a brilliant film but completely different oh genre. he did Before Sunset and Before Midnight and Before so that's why he knows Ethan Hawke he Days and Confused which I think is a really Fantastic. underrated um, sort of coming of age film so he knows that he knows the sort of coming of age things which is yes. a bit that's a sort of similar theme of his stuff yeah but then to do such a 
to use a dirty word, you know, commercial film as School of Rock is. You know, it's a, it, it's a perfectly executed film, I think. I think it should be one of those sort of childhood classic comedies that are celebrated as one of, a new one, you know, a post-80s one, I like, love, I love like Elf or something, you know. Someone posted a picture recently of them having a get-together with the whole band. How old are they now? Uh, School of Rock came out in 2003, so it's 11 years, so all like, yeah, yeah. they're all like uh, in their 20s now. That's and, weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and never, never relived the hype that they had at that moment. Poor, well, poor none children. Of, none of them have become the new Jack Black since that. No. It didn't, it didn't launch them. Um, but I really, I did enjoy the film. I thought it was interesting. And uh, the cinema, actually I, went, actually, I went to see this at the New Art House Cinema in Crouch End. It was packed. I'll tell a lie. It's not, it was the other films I went to see that was empty. Um, <laughs> and people seemed to enjoy it. It was a little bit over long, I thought, coming in at about a thousand hours. I don't know how many hours it was. But how many days would you give it? That, you know, it's really tough. I really enjoyed the experience of it and I I, I really liked all of the characters. Like, you, you really, really get to know them and I don't think I've had that experience in the same way with any other film, really. I think it's got to be a 9 or 10, to be honest. Well, I'll give it 8. OK, what's what's it dropped it for? Because I found it tedious towards the end. Okay. I found I found him really boring. But I still find it honest. I think I would have felt betrayed by the film if he'd suddenly become some sexy cool guy. Um, like it, it, it spoke to me as being true. Like teenagers are when they're discovering their own voice and their own sort of thoughts and the hypocrisy of everything. They do become dull for a while. I thought he was dull for the second half of it. Yeah, yeah. He was a pretty dull boy. As I mentioned, you pick someone good-looking. Um, guys, they're dull. Always remember that, girls. <laughs> okay? Good-looking ones, dull. Never have to develop any personality. Not like you, buddy. You're good-looking and you've got a nice personality. That's me talking to a dog and he's he's getting frisky now. <laughs> he might, hopefully, I'm, he'll sniff my groin again. Oh, in this hot weather, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> It is 165 minutes, so just under three hours. So it's a long old, a long old epic. It is. It is. Um, it must be odd for the actors watching themselves age, because Patricia Arquette has a bit. I found really foxy at the start, mm. and she sends she. Did, but I was wondering if that was intentional because maybe it's quite soon after the start that she starts to get um, huskier. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Yeah. But she was foxy at the end as well. Yeah. Actors put, you know, they, they get rid of the weight when they need to, don't they? Yeah. In their private lives, they're all uh, fat. I wish I could be an actor one day. Well, you're fat in your private life, so you're halfway there. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, so go and watch Boyhood at the cinema. It's probably stopped showing at the cinema now. So wait six months till it comes out. On yeah. Video. Yeah, and if you've seen it already, why not tell us what you think? You can email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or write something on a Facebook board, not just about boyhood, anything you like, really. Link to things you've found, why not? Facebook.com forward slash filmfandango. Or you can tweet us, at filmfandango. Or in person, at Mr David Reeves or at Marit Larwood. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. What is that? If I want to contribute to the making of this podcast, uh, because we're self-funded and... Um, we, we rely on donations to help us keep going we really appreciate it if you donate you can do that on the filmfandango.co.uk website 
Thank you very much for everyone who's done it in the right business. Yes, thank you. That's the only way we can keep doing this. Um, cool. Now, I was trying to find a film to watch. There's nothing on TV. So I looked on the... Uh, I said, Amazon Prime is starting now. Yes. So Love Film. The new name of Love Film. Because obviously... Love, Love Film is not as good a name as Amazon Prime. Really weird. It's really strange. It's really, you know, I I sort of appreciate the fact, even though Tesco's have bought Blinkbox, they haven't solidly called it Tesco Shelf or something, because I wouldn't want to want, just go, oh, what's on Tesco Shelf at the moment? So I looked, I got free members of Amazon Prime for a month to see if it changed. And it, to be honest, I've seen most of the films and the section was pretty rubbish. Yeah. So the one I picked to go and watch, which had, which I almost went to see the cinema because the trailer looks quite good and quite classy. Now you see me. Yes, yes, I've seen this as well. I. Uh, what is it about? What is it about? Now you see me. Uh, was it? It seemed an intriguing concept. It is a heist movie, basically, but where the heist is being performed by professional magicians. I mean. I would go and see that, whoever was in it, whoever had made it. That sounds great. And this one uh, stars uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Isla Fisher and James Franco's brother. Uh, But it's also got Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman and, uh, as a policeman, Mark Ruffalo. Good cast, right? Pretty good cast. It is... Let's just get this out of the way, early doors. Uh, to our 10-year-old listener, I'm going to swear now, and everyone else with children in the car, whatever, I'm going to swear. I'm going to drop an F-bomb. Okay. This was a fucking load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, one, but that's the only way I can put it. I, I tried to continue watching this film three or four times, and actually started getting worse. Hmm. You've got... I thought, is it tongue-in-cheek to start off with? That's the thing. You don't... It, it can't work itself out. The The idea in itself is great. It's a great premise for a movie. The trailer looks really good. You watch the trailer yeah. and you go, that looks like a really exciting film. Just don't just watch the trailer and don't the, ever watch the it. The basic problem with it is Jesse Eisenberg, who's, uh, who is sort of the ringleader of these four, the four horsemen, they call themselves, because they're clearly not cool people. Um, but he, he's a magician, and he's explaining to the policeman, Ruffalo, how uh, he can always be uh, two steps ahead of everyone else. And his rule is, always be the smartest guy in the room. And it's like, okay, fine, this film in any room in the world, would not be the smartest film in the room. Like, I imagine every single actor in this, I mean, all of them, uh, I've, apart from Ida Fisher, maybe, I've seen do really good acting in other films. Yeah. Even, I like Isla Fisher. I think she's been really good in stuff. Well, I think they must have gone back to their trailers after doing a scene and just counted their money just to go, well, I just need to make sure... It's do- a stupid film. That's the thing. It doesn't have the intelligence to carry off the premise. Because really, for a film about magicians pulling the wool over people's eyes and it's a heist suit, how did they do it? That's the heist genre. It's the great thing about the heist genre. You're trying to second-guess the heroes. And this film isn't clever enough to pull a usual suspects on you 
basically, which is what it so desperately wants to do all the way through. It wants to use your suspects, its audience. So the 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 whole grand narrative about distraction and uh, what you know you you're waving your hand over here whilst the real things going on over here, and they want to do that with their grand narrative with the whole story, and they they fail spectacularly on this one. It's just pap. It's sort of enjoyable pap along the way. I had I sort of did enjoy it, but. I didn't. I didn't finish watching it. I actually said to my TV. Uh, I tried to watch it three times, and it, I came. Okay, now you see me. I actually said no. No, I don't. And not even a good joke. Were you alone? Yeah. Did you say it to the and world? the only thing it succeeds in doing is the perpetuating the myth that all magicians are bellend. That is. It definitely did that. It definitely did that. You were in a film that did that, weren't you? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> my one film appearance. After my um, uh, film appearance in uh, The Inbetweeners 2, as I was informed, it's definitely been cut out. Ah, what? Yeah, I think I can say it now, because the director wrote to me. Um, But um, what I loved, actually, just this is the level of um, stupidity, I thought, which I I found very funny, was Morgan Freeman's entire character is he is... A man, a magician debunker, and he just follows these magicians around, uh, revealing how their tricks are done. Now, debunkers exist, but they debunk mystics, as in people who claim to actually have magical powers and are um, taking advantage of people by doing so. Mediums and psychics and so on. So debunkers do exist. Debunkers don't go around to Derren Brown going, you don't have real magic! Because yeah. he never claims to. That's not a thing. It's not someone's job to go around magic shows and spoil it for everyone. Like, that, nobody does that as a job. It's like they they classically misunderstood what that was. Yeah, like they really haven't done their reading on this. But it looks re- it looks really glitzy, and they've done quite a good job with the production values of it. Yeah, uh, but the sh- the shows the shows within the film, yeah, the magic shows are so boring. <laughs> you just go. I don't know why they're so popular. These magicians in this. Yeah, they're just quite rubbish. Just standing around on the stage talking about stuff that's happening off stage. And if you ever watch any of these actors like Jesse Eisenberg or Mark Ruffalo or Woody Harrison thinking, they're brilliant, I can never do what they do. Yeah. Just watch this film and you think, oh yeah, maybe I could become, <laughs> maybe I could become a sort of multi-million earning actor. Yeah, if I was lucky, I think I could probably it's, do it. It's all of them kept slightly wrong. So Jesse Eisenberg, he sort of treads, he normally treads that um, path of being a geek on the right side, so he's not annoying. Mm. And this is really annoying. Woody Harrelson's sort of just pervy and weird. Well, he's, he's and Mark Ruffalo's almost born and retarded at points for a police officer. Well, he, yeah, they really lay on the he isn't clever enough to follow what they're doing. They lay that on thick. And Melanie, Melanie Laurent, who is um, where do I know her from? She Inglorious Bastards. Yes, that's where it is. Who is brilliant in that? She's, she's wonderful in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, in this, she just plays someone French. That's it. Yeah, the director's gone. Do you know what? What's your character? Um, what's my? Um, what is my character? That's a medium French thing, and they just go. It's just, it's just French. What do you mean? No, it's just just do French. Do French. That's not that's not a character. Yeah, yeah. Just do just put on a French voice in that French. And we'll say Interpol every now and again. Yeah, tedious. Don't even what do what I did. Give up halfway through. Was it worth watching the? Um, I watched the first two thirds of it. Was it worth watching the? It gets. Last third? Well, the thing is, 
As I predicted. Excuse me, I'm putting sugar in my coffee. People who, like to to, people who like to moan about. Oh, there's no milk. Oh, do you want milk? Oh, we'll, I'll just carry on. Let's just finish this podcast. <laughs> As the film so clearly wanted to do, it had to have a big reveal at the end. And it's got one. And boy, does it make no sense. It elevates itself to Nicolas Cage movie levels of stupid at the end of this film. And that almost redeems it, actually, in going, oh, it's just it's just a film for complete idiots or people who are drunk. Oh, I see. Uh, but it's it doesn't work. It's not. It wants to be seven, and it's actually Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. I didn't watch it, so I can't mark it out of uh, ten. How you many? can mark it out of five, though, can't you? I thought it was on course of being like a three or possibly a four film. I think having watched the whole thing, it's probably a four. Okay. So do not watch that. Unless you want to sit through something that's sort of charmingly glossy and utterly rubbish. Yeah. It was box office, 75, if budget was 75 million, and in the States it took 117 million. I think someone said they're going to make another one, so that's something else to it. That's so annoying. <laughs> When's something good gonna happen? One day. One day. Anyway, um, that, we're doing a shorter one this week. Yeah, that's that's us for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week um, uh, with yet another film. It's getting close to the Edinburgh Festival. It will have started next week, so we'll be quite busy. But we'll still get an episode out to you, good people. Um, yes, we'll be back next week. Keep watching the films. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.